We have a special treat this morning. Um, again, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna preach this morning. I'm gonna invite one of our deacons, Brad Long, to come up and he's gonna he's gonna share his story, and I think it will be uh, inspiring and encouraging and challenging to us. So, Brad, thank you so much for being willing to do that. So, uh, yeah, just excited. And then let me let me pray for you, and then. Um, and then you can share with us. So, Father, thank you so much for Brad. Thank you for what you've done in his life and what you're doing in, in and through him. Please uh, encourage him as he shares and, and bless each one of us. God, um, help us to be uh, open to what you want to say to each of us through what he shares. And, uh, and just thank you for your, your work in his life. In your name we pray. Amen. So as Jeff said, uh, I'm Brad Long. I'm a deacon here at uh, Lakeview Heights. And uh, I know a lot of you uh, out here in the crowd today, um, but a bunch of you I don't. And I would like to get to know every one of you, uh, not just as a deacon, but personally, I just love meeting people. Um, so today I'm going to share my story of faith uh, since I was disabled 13 years ago. So um, yeah, uh, it started in 2009. Uh, my life, uh, I was living in Kelowna, my life was getting stagnant and uh, I decided I needed to get out and see the world. Uh, I shared my testimony with the congregation in the past, so I won't go into it in detail, but I'll just simply state that at that time in my life, I was living for myself, not for God, and I was a believer, but my faith was weak. I had a career dream that had been on the back burner for a few years, and uh, I'd finally found a way to make it happen. I had oil rig experience in my past, and I knew there were opportunities in Australia for Canadians uh, who had oil field experience uh, to get work visas and work there. So I sold most of my belongings, packed the rest into my sister's garage, <clears throat> and headed to the other side of the planet. Now I could get into the adventures that I had before I started working. There were many. It was It's, it's an incredible country. If you haven't been there, I suggest make it, put it on your bucket list. Um, but uh, uh, if I got into these stories, we'd be here all day or maybe into tomorrow. So uh, I'm going to just dive into the meat and potatoes of it. So um, by the end of December that year, uh, and that would be, yeah, 20, 2009, uh, oh, sorry, 2010, I had been working for a small oil rig drilling uh, outfit for many months. Our rig was deep in the outback with nothing and no one for hundreds of kilometers in any direction. All there was was sand, snakes, spiders, camels, believe it or not, and the kind of heat that feels like your skin is melting. We live here in the Okanagan. You think it's hot here? Try the Outback in the middle of summer. So um, at that time, I'd been working 12-hour uh, shifts for six weeks straight. And when you're out there, there's no reprieve. You are out there living in a camp for six weeks so you don't have TV, you don't have internet, this is hard work. So you, your mind gets crazy, I could say. So I, I had no days off and uh, it was getting close to Christmas break. Um, and technically it was my last few days before getting much needed and hard earned few weeks off. It was well over 40 degrees that morning and we were taking the rig apart to have it moved to the next well site, which we'd get to after the break was over. I was walking underneath the main drilling platform when a 200 pound handrail was knocked loose and fell 10 feet onto my head. <clears throat> and yes, I was wearing a hard hat, but doesn't 
doesn't work when that much weight falls on your head. So the next memory I have is waking up in a hospital bed in Perth, 2,000 kilometers from where I'd been working with one of my rig pals sitting next to me. I couldn't move my legs and I could just barely wiggle my arms. It was, I was, or sorry, he was the first one to tell me I'd broken my neck. I don't recall my exact emotions at the time, but I was certainly hopeful that a surgery that was imminent, I could happen in right away, would restore the use of my limbs and, you know, I'd just go back to life as normal. It was only hours later that I learned that my injury was severe and the surgeon told me I wouldn't walk again and likely I wouldn't regain functional use of my arms or hands. <clears throat> for now, or sorry, for an active 30-year-old man, uh, who enjoyed mountain biking, snowboarding, hiking, rock climbing, ATVing, riding motorcycles, and camping my whole life. To be told I was not going to be walking or doing any of those things ever again is crushing, obviously. But <clears throat> for a skilled metal fabricator, auto body technician, mechanic, and musician to be told that he can't use his hands anymore, that was way worse. I was really angry about it, but the hope of making a full recovery outweighed my frustration. Uh, still, it wasn't long before I started to ask myself questions like, why would God let this happen to me? Did God cause this to happen to me? I may not be a perfect Christian, but I'm certainly not evil enough to deserve this. Am I being punished? Surely he will take pity on me and heal me. Unfortunately, these answers were not easy to find while I was struggling. Uh, I was very lucky to have my father be flown in right away. Uh, within a couple of days, he was there with me in the hospital in Perth. We would spend mealtimes and evenings together. Dad would often read from the Bible and we would pray for healing and strength for my recovery. Uh, and thank God for sparing my life. But inside, my sadness, frustration, and anger were growing, as you can imagine. During the mornings and afternoons, I would do physio and occupational therapy. It was physically exhausting. Just go, 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 eat a meal, go, 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 eat a meal, sleep. Uh, but it kept me very busy and focused, and it helped me sleep a little better. Nights there were crazy. That There's no air conditioning, or there was air conditioning, but it couldn't keep up with 40-degree heat. So sleeping was like 30, 32 with outrageous humidity. So as you can imagine, you were not sleeping that great. Um, a local church in Perth was the sister church to my aunt and uncle's church in Calgary. Uh, my auntie reached out to them and some of them, kind folks from the congregation, began to come to the rehab center and visit. They were really warm and gracious. They would bring dinners and treats that were gratefully accepted because we all know how bad hospital food is. Eventually, Dad had to get back to work, so my sister was next. Uh, she came in for a few weeks, and then my mom for the last five weeks, um, and they were awesome. We really enjoyed my time with each of them and appreciated their joy and hope because Mom and Meg are really good for that. Um, and, of course, they bring lots of good food, too. Um, it was a record heat summer that year in Perth. Uh, the temps were 40 degrees plus for over 40 days in a row. Uh, at night, it was 30 degrees. Like I mentioned, uh, it was just torturous on us Canadians. Um, but it, And it made everything more difficult, but it sure made slushies taste great. Um, during these last couple of months, we were able to visit the church on a couple of Sundays to worship with our new friends. Although I found it hard to reconcile 
this God that we sang about and read about uh, with the one who seemed to have cursed me with this new terrible body. But part of me still knew that Jesus loved me very much. I was also learning at this time that many quadriplegics can live independently. And I was excited to have this as a goal. I needed something to strive for. Uh, it was now mid-March 2011. And at this point in my rehab, uh, I was relatively lighthearted. I had a positive outlook, but wrestled every day with my faith. Also, a serious complication, physical complication, was beginning to show itself. And I would, it would push me even further from the light. Uh, after three and fun, busy months in Perth, I was finally stable enough to return to Canada. And I'll just drop this on you. I had a, for three months, I had a, a, a back neck brace that went from my belly button all the way to my ears. So I would put, they'd put this on me at seven o'clock in the morning when I woke up and I wasn't allowed to take it off until I got back into bed. So after three months, the doctor finally said, yeah, you can go back to Canada. But the true joy was getting this stinking brace off of my body and being able to move. So uh, uh, we jumped on a plane, flew through China and came back to Calgary and uh, started to settle into the hospital there. And my new doctor uh, gave me a once over when I got there and uh, she sent me for testing. Uh, she found that I had a, a rare complication that causes extra bone growth to form in the joints of some people who suffer traumatic injuries, uh, like soldiers who are in explosions, people that get in car accidents, and obviously me with my injury. Um, the growth is ha was happening in both hips for me, and it was causing severe muscle spasms, pain, and reducing my mobility greatly. Uh, within a couple of months, so much new bone had formed between my hips and pelvis that I could no longer sit upright properly in a wheelchair. Actually, it was lean back really far all the time, and uh, it was really difficult to get comfortable. I could hardly sit in the wheelchair properly, and I couldn't lay flat in bed. My knees were always up out of the bed. It was very awkward and strange. Um, and I couldn't touch my knees even when I was sitting in my wheelchair. Uh, I'd been learning to dress myself up until that point, which, you, you know, it sounds funny, but when your hands, you can't even get a grip on your pants or bend down to pick them up. It's obviously quite a challenge to do. So after I, the bone growth came, I couldn't even bend forward to do that, like socks, pants, none of that. So it's no, no longer able to do dress myself. So um, I developed constant nerve pain as well, and that left me exhausted and irritable, and it disrupted my sleep constantly. Uh, the only way to describe this pain is it feels like when your arms or legs go to sleep, if you ever sit in a position too long. And when, when you start to move again, it starts to burn and throb and tingle as circulation comes back. Except this feeling never goes away. Uh, my muscle spasms could be violent as well, and they cause my legs to, and core muscles to tighten all at once and jerk back and forth with so much strength, I would have to grab on to whatever was close. I'd often grab onto my wheelchair, grab onto my wheelchair and buck back and forth like this, just hang on and wait for it to stop. And uh, my ab muscles could lock up so tight that in an instant that it would just blow all the air out of me too. And I would just sit, just waiting for my muscles to let go so I could take a breath. And it was often really scary. Uh, and the feeling that you're suffocating is obviously really frightening. So it's not something I, uh, I'm, I'm sad to have gotten over. Um, 
I eagerly spoke with a surgeon, but I was told that operating on this bone growth was risky and the growth was likely to return, so I, it wasn't advised. This really wreaked havoc on my mindset and my outlook. The anger and questions I was pushing down for months were coming back strong. Questions like, why would God let this happen to me? Is this not enough to make me a quadriplegic, but to further curse me with this bone growth? This pain that grinds me down, these muscle spasms that cause people to stare at me. What have I done to deserve this hell? It was incredibly hard to deal with, but I managed to maintain hope that relief was somewhere in my future. Uh, I stayed at the rehab center in Calgary for another three months. I had no idea what was going to happen when I was released, but I was excited at the prospect of getting back to a normal-ish life. I transitioned into my parents' home in late June that year. I lived with them for two months, but adventure and hope for more recovery and surgeries were calling me. So I started searching for more rehab, somewhere warm and fun. I landed on Los Angeles. I found some very promising therapies I could try. I found a specialized orthopedic surgeon uh, that promised relief from the bone growth and that it would not grow back. To top it all off, I contacted my case manager at workers' compensation in Australia, and he told me I had a significant amount of monthly funding available for just surgeries just like this. It would cover all of it. So shortly after I got my adapted van, also provided by insurance, I packed up and headed south. Again, I was experiencing another huge life change with high hopes for the future, but doing so with my faith in tatters. It was emotionally and spiritually chaotic. So much so that I couldn't see the incredible blessings that God was handing me. In LA, I hit the ground running, pun intended. With a few, within a few days, I'd moved into and set up my apartment just a few blocks from Venice Beach, secured a home care company to su supply care assistance or AIDS, and I set, uh, and set up my therapy schedule. My previous culture of stay busy, stay happy continued. Um, it was six days a week of therapy, which kept my mind busy, but I was having great difficulty getting consistent care aids that actually cared. Um, where am I at? Oh, yeah, sometimes they would be late. Sometimes they wouldn't show up at all. Days and nights were scary and stressful, not knowing if someone would be there to uh, when I needed them in the morning or to get up or at night when I needed to go to bed. Not to mention what could happen if I were to have an accident when I was alone. I think a lot of seniors might sympathize with this. Um, like fall out of bed. What do you do if there's no one around? Phone's probably halfway across the house too. So anyway, yeah, it was it was sketchy time um all this while suffering with the constant pain and poor sleep but just when it seemed hopeless i was assigned two new care care aids in a short period of time um, a daytime aide who could spend all day with me and a nighttime aide who lived very close by they're both exceptional kind caring people with big hearts and lots of patience we hit it off quickly and very soon they agree they both agreed to leave that employer and work directly for me it wasn't long before I discovered they were both Christians. Even with this huge blessing, did I see God's hand at work? Not yet. The next two years were spent focused on my therapies. It was exhausting, but my arms, hands, and upper body were getting stronger, and I was starting to regain a little bit of feeling in my legs. And it kept the hope for more recovery alive in me. 
I discovered that cannabis products could significantly decrease my pain. So I was learning how it worked and how I could incorporate it into my meals. It wasn't perfect, but it allowed an hour or two of relief at a time. And I had a more even ratio of good and bad days, which if you have a lot of bad days, one good day extra a week makes life a lot better. It wasn't all work though. There was always excitement when friends and family would come and visit. Uh, and when therapy gyms would hold events, when I got to go race remote control cars at the track on the weekends, uh, and going to comedy clubs, I also spent a good deal of time cruising the Venice, Venice Beach boardwalk in my power wheelchair and my arm cycle. They were really close to my apartment. And I'd cruise around meeting people and enjoying the fresh air. And there's really good food down there too, if you haven't been. Uh, my care aids continued to show me patience, grace, compassion, and love. Uh, they got me through all of my bad days. And uh, in that time, I had two major surgeries, one on each hip, which helped my mobility greatly. But they were long, difficult, and painful recoveries. Eventually, I began to feel the pullback to Canada. And although I felt like I had gained some function back, my desire to continue these long therapies dwindled. In the spring of 2013, I packed up, said goodbye to my care aides, who were my best buddies then, and headed for a new life chapter and adventure in Vancouver. In Vancouver, I lived with one of my best childhood buddies, Mike, who also worked as my full-time care aide. Uh, we had lots of fun building ourselves some hot-rodded trucks, driving RC cars in the backyard, singing karaoke, and hanging out with our friends. Uh, I did weekly physiotherapy there and I volunteered at the Spinal Cord Injury Center for medical and therapy trials. Uh, my mobility was better than ever at that point, but my pain had slowly increased over time. My use of cannabis to control the pain also increased, so much so that I was groggy all day and I couldn't focus well. Tasty food made me feel better. Mike was a chef by trade, which is a terrible guy to have hired for my carry because gravy and meat and potatoes were his specialty and it was pretty easy. It made me, the food made me feel better, but I gained weight quickly. So, and if you can imagine the more weight in a wheelchair that is on your body, the harder it is for your arms to move you around transfer. So none of these things are good. Um, I had a lot of bad nights with little sleep, which led to bad days where I would often just stare out the window in a daze or just sleep it away. And um, again, it led me to just call out to God. If you want to ruin my life this way, why wouldn't you just kill me? In tears, in tears I'd ask, what is the point of all this pain and suffering? Eventually, I pleaded to God, just kill me, put me out of my misery. It was the lowest point in my life. My deepest suffering, mentally, physically, and definitely spiritually. I was getting through the days and still able to find some joy, but I couldn't see past my pain. After nearly four years, I got restless again. I knew that Vancouver was never going to be or never going to feel like home. I'd been searching for a property to buy between Maple Ridge and Hope for months, knowing that I couldn't handle living in the city. Anybody been to Vancouver? Yeah. We're all, if you did live there, you're here because you know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, I just couldn't settle on a property. Uh, just nothing felt right. Uh, sorry. 
uh, I come back to oh, sorry, come back to Kelowna a few times to visit friends uh, in the last six years, but I hadn't seriously considered moving back until early 2017. I was came back to see buddies, and I was driving through West Kelowna, and it hit me. I love it here. I think this feels like home. Uh, and after finding, uh, so I kind of jumped through my story quickly here, but uh, I made the decision really quickly. And as soon as I got back to Vancouver, I just started looking for a place to rent. And that, oddly enough, was another blessing by God. It was impossible at that time to find an apartment. And just made one call to a woman I got handed a number to by three other people. And she said, oh, yeah, I have a wheelchair accessible suite for you. I thought, what? No way. Yeah, the shower set up, the kitchen set up. I thought, this can't be right. Rent was affordable. So anyway, made it very easily. So I found this place to rent and packed everything up in Vancouver and hauled everything I owned to a new city again. Um, I did relish the idea of a fresh start and uh, my first opportunity for true independent living. This was the first time I would be living by myself. Um, so once I was settled in, my heart felt lighter. It kind of, I felt like home and I'm sure you guys all know that feeling. You get that a weight off your back when you feel like you're where you're supposed to be. I was able to get out and do a little more. I started to meet other disabled people my age and younger and older. And, but uh, I began playing sports, wheelchair rugby, if you've never heard of it. It's pretty brutal, awesome sport for young guys to do and women too. Women are getting into it as well. But Look it up on Google if you don't know what it is. You'll you'll get a, a kick out of it. Um, my pain wasn't any better, and I was still often very frustrated and angry. But overall, my life was feeling like it was on an upward trajectory. Within months of my return to the Okanagan, my parents decided it was time for a change as well. They were living in Alberta still. Uh, they easily settled in on the west side. The change was great for them, and I really appreciated having them close. They were the first to discover Lakeview Hives Baptist. And I began to, began to attend with them when I was feeling up to it. Even though I was still upset with God, little by little, he began to soften my heart. Uh, one day, I pulled up my Bible and my phone, and I started searching for stories about people who suffered. It's not hard to find in the Bible. I was a little surprised to recall just how many I did. I thought how unfair God had been to so many followers, but how many people still praised and worshipped him despite their situations, including Jesus himself. How is this possible? Wasn't human existence supposed to be perfect? Mm, no. I realized that uh, that realization caused a spark in me. It didn't heal me overnight, but it started a new dialogue between God and myself. Instead of only feeling anger for what I believed he had done to me, I also had a sense of gratefulness. gratefulness that I was still alive and uh, that positive things had and were still happening in my life every month and every year. You start to look back and you think, oh, I am grateful for that. I'm grateful for this. I'm also grateful for that. And despite the new outlook, I wasn't quite ready to change my heart completely. Um, But I was getting there. Sorry. Uh, I also felt like after many years of resentment that God might resent me. But uh, did I even deserve his favor at this point? I didn't know at the time, but God heard every thought, every cry, and he stayed right beside me, nudging me inch by inch. He had a plan for me, but I was only beginning to realize. 
So with my parents' help, I eventually found the perfect house. It needed extensive modifications, which took nine months, um, which if any of you have ever had to deal with that, it seems like an eternity. Paying rent when you are, I've already have a place you actually want to live in, a place you bought. <laughs> anyway, and early in 2019, I moved into my dream home. It was an incredible feeling to know that I could have every room in the house fully accessible to me. The kitchen, the bathroom being the most important. And I was excited for home life to be safe and easy for once. Of course, with a house comes a need to keep a house clean. And uh, it's not easy for a guy in a wheelchair. But conveniently, my mother knew just the person for the job. Amanda Johnston was there to help me my very first week in the house. <laughs> Some of you might know a little of this story already. <clears throat> so now I, I need to pause and give you guys some background on my ideology about relationships at that time. Up until my injury, I'd always believed that I wanted to marry and have children. Growing old without experiencing having a family seemed like missing out on a huge part of what makes human existence so incredible. Post-injury, I had so much going on emotionally and physically that my outlook grew jaded. Uh, my mantra became, relationships are complicated, life is easier when you're single. Anybody ever thought that way before? <laughs> uh, because I was suffering, the thought of complicating my life on purpose was complete nonsense. So a relationship was not something I was considering. Some of you might have felt that, that way before too. I told, uh, sorry, I told myself I was being practical, right? Maybe I was protecting myself or just plain lazy. Y you decide. Regardless, I just stuck to that notion for eight years. I never prayed for a partner. I honestly thought that my disability, including the pain, made me a fairly undesirable mate. But once again, God had other plans. <clears throat> Back to Amanda. Over a, few, uh, over a few months of weekly cleanings, we became friends. We'd spend time together doing simple things like going for walks, watching movies, sharing meals. Uh, I thank God for the companionship. I slowly realized that we're both starting to care more about each other. And this, interestingly, was a catalyst for spiritual change. I had a hard time in the beginning rationalizing how a beautiful younger woman could find any value in me. I wrestled with the, this idea for weeks as I tried to come up with sort of a mathematical equation, beep, boop, beep, boop, that would make sense to me. I did this a lot in my life. I don't know if you guys ever did that too. Math and emotions don't, just don't do go together, but maybe it's the male mind. Just keep trying. Anyway, I couldn't figure it out. God and love are often very mysterious. I prayed about it a lot. My anger and frustration were still present because of the pain, and I was worried that if I couldn't find a way to let go of the anger and deal with the pain, that I would lose this opportunity for a relationship. I continue to pray. I ask God for an end of the pain and for grace, peace, and calmness, for him to change my heart. I also prayed for, for guidance and for a sign that she was the right woman for me. As we all do, I was waiting for my answers from God to be written in the sky. Uh, but they came in different ways, of course. The peace and calm took practice. I still had pain, which caused anger, but I was learning to pray in the moment and God would release my anger and give me calm. Anybody ever done this before? Yeah, the blood starts, the blood pressure goes up. 
your ears start to tingle. I just say, okay, God, God, just help me push this down. Wash your peace over me. It works. I still do it to this day. That took practice, of course, the calm and peace. But I still had pain, which caused anger and frustration. But I was learning to, pro oh, sorry, I already said that. Um, God would do this. He'd release my anger and give me calm. Over a short time, my escalations became less frequent to the point where my prayers were just thanking God for peace. Praise God about that. He'd also gave me peace about Amanda. He replaced the apprehension and questions with joy, respect, admiration, sorry, admiration and love for her. Weeks and months flew by as our relationship grew. We both felt that God had brought us together. We marveled at how he had aligned our meeting. A lot of relationships are like that. Do you think God was working here? He's working there. Isn't this crazy? He's a genius. <laughs> uh, and uh, this, so this relationship, something that I'd actively avoided for years, was now the biggest part of my life. And I was loving it. And of course, loving Amanda too. And uh, I started to socialize and more and attend church more regularly, even on my bad days, because I wanted to spend more time with her. COVID came, which slowed life down a lot, but we enjoyed that. More time with each other. Within a year, we were married. Another big life change, but obviously with great rewards. So the nerve pain was now at the very top of my prayer list. So many other things were going good, but this pain was still dragging me down. I believe that God had a plan for me and that there was a cure. Cure. Um, tough to find, but Amanda and I were determined to get to the root of it once and for all. There had to be an environmental reason for it since nothing else helped. I obviously tried all types of medications and as you can imagine, and none of them worked. None of them really gave me relief from it. So I had done a lot of research on it and I'd found that there was a diet that promised to give some kind of reduction in inflammation and pain. Uh, and I'd found that I thought about it for an entire year. I am a bit of a procrastinator, um, but it's a very limited diet. So this is why I didn't want to jump on it right away. It excludes about 75% of the foods that most people would eat. So not an easy thing to just, mm -hmm, this is going to be great. Jump right into it. Stick to it. No problem. No, this is a uh, work yourself up for it. Fall off the wagon, work yourself up, fall off the wagon. Um, Anyway, the, this diet uh, was good for people with sensitive digestive systems and it was supposed to help with some, a bunch of different ailments. So we all know that food is one of life's greatest joys. Amen to that. Um, why else would be, there be so many stories of Jesus sitting and eating with people in the Bible? He knew it too. God gave us food and it's a brilliant thing. So the thought of cutting 75% of these foods from my life was a mountain that was too high to climb for a very long time. Um, it was and still is a struggle to adhere to this diet. Um, it's another item that I prayed for and do pray for constantly. So within two weeks of starting this diet, I was noticing weight loss and a minor reduction in the intensity of my day-to-day -day pain. Um, uh, within six months, I was 30 pounds lighter and my pain was down by 90%. Within a year, I'd lost 50 pounds and I felt 10 years younger. The weight loss was a blessing, but the lack of pain was a miracle. So praise God. I've been essentially pain-free for, pain for three years now. 
So if anybody needs to uh, hear about the diet, you just talk to me later. I am more than happy to fill you in on that. So I want to wrap this all up and put a bow on it for you. I know it's been a lot of info in a short time and it's hard to hear about someone else's tragic suffering, but we all have suffered and unfortunately we will all suffer in the future. It may seem unfair that God could create a world with so much chaos, pain and suffering, but it's part of the human experience that not only God knows about, but he's experienced it firsthand through Jesus. He feels these things with us in the moment. He loves us more than we can put into our thoughts or words. I believe that without suffering, we couldn't fully appreciate our lives or that Jesus has saved us from death. I want to share with you uh, one of my favorite scriptures, especially for dealing with this. And it's, it really just puts it in a nice box for us all. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And a hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It really is powerful. God has given me so many blessings in the last 13 years. One of the greatest gifts that God has given me is my gift of faith, which I've earned through my suffering. The day that I left Canada and flew halfway on the planet, the moment my C6 vertebrae exploded, the years when my deepest suffering caused so much doubt in God and so much anger and hopelessness, the years of struggling in therapy, the numerous surgeries and recoveries, God didn't cause these to happen to me. That's Satan's domain. He knew that it, he knew that it would happen, but he also knew that with the power of the Holy Spirit in me, I could be strong enough to endure. He knew that I what I truly needed was stronger faith. And he guided me on a path to it. He knew this path would lead me to all the blessings I had over the last 13 years, including the carries that helped me, all the people that helped push me through, to my amazing wife. And he knew it would leave me here today, onto the stage, sharing my story with you, a story of triumph over darkness of the soul and painful suffering. Through the, and through, the, oh, sorry, through the power of Jesus. I prayed that my story might, or I pray that my story might encourage you to persevere in your suffering. My hope is that it might give you the hope that you can depend on Jesus because he can carry you through your suffering as well and he'll rejoice with you in your triumph. God knows that we can all persevere in our lifetimes. He's waiting in heaven with open arms. With him as our focus, we'll all get there one day, but let's try and find light and joy in every moment we have until then. Thanks for listening, guys.